0: Welcome back to D1 Rejects, episode 86. One of my favorite guests we've had on the show today, joining us, Jason Couch, the head coach at Alma College. We'll get to his conversation in a little bit. Tonight is February 9th, 2023. Um, we had a little bit of a small break. We skipped one episode, just a lot going on, busy up here in Marquette, but um, we should have a good list of guests coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. I'm joined tonight, not by the usual jabronis in the chairs across from me. Trevor E., what's going doing? on? And Trevor joined by fellow offensive lineman
1: Jack yes, well. Oh, you're gonna say your name? Oh, well, I thought, for that's, me. That's, I, thought that. I thought you paused, so you know it's kind of awkward. <laughs> Want to make sure? I'll walk in though. You're oh, good. Oh, no, that's all right. That's good. We got uh, we brought the size today to the podcast. Oh
0: yeah. This yep. is uh, this is probably the biggest crew we've assembled. Even, that's saying a lot because we had Jake Witt in the studio last
1: week. So I heard Jake Witt's weighing 300 pounds. No, oh, that's crazy. And he doesn't look it. No, which is I'm the sure craziest part. Yeah. No. That's the craziest part about it. He so. made that couch look like it was
0: a <laughs> beanbag chair. The couch is low; it's set low. The couch is set low. The shout out Marketplace out here. Yep. Top that one. Not might have to Jake put a little couch. might have put no a little doubt. riser on the couch. All right, that can be that can be figured out later. But uh, this episode, besides Coach Couch, get that conversation soon. And if you want to go to that conversation right now on YouTube, use a little timestamps bottom of the screen, red bar, fast forward, then get the hell out of here. Otherwise. Listen to all this other great stuff we have. We've got combine invites for three Division II players that have been officially invited to the NFL Combine ahead of the draft. We're going to break down those guys, talk about maybe some draft predictions for these guys, how their stock has has risen. And Wayne State, they hired Tyrone Wheatley as their new head coach, the former All-American out of Michigan. Big time hire for them. A little bit shocking to see Paul Winters out at Wayne State, especially with an uh, interim athletic director kind of crazy news out of there but that happened uh back in late January we just haven't had a chance to talk about it I think on the podcast yet so gonna break that higher down as far as the NFL scene goes Super Bowl preview couple notes and some injured guys that may or may not be playing uh this weekend because that is when the Super Bowl is Russell Wilson and his charitable foundation might have just got exposed fellas pretty bad we're talking
2: Real like bad. Brett
0: Favre level bad
2: wow <laughs> it's wow. it's yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. It right? really is. It's yeah. it's
0: it's money that should be going towards a great cause that ended up going towards somebody's pockets. Yep. Yes. That's what it is.
1: People so, are close to him, too. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so we're going to break that down, see what's going on with his foundation. And finally, DeMar Hamlin. Apparently, and this is, quote, guarantee from an expert, guarantees he will play NFL football again. That mm-hmm. is the latest word, which... It's surprising as hell, to be honest, especially in the short time frame that has transpired between his injury and now.
2: How long has it been? Two months?
0: Not long enough to be saying things like that. It hasn't even
2: been two months, has it?
0: Yeah. No. So we are going to talk about that. Very interesting scene there in Buffalo. Um, But as always, you can watch this episode on YouTube. Like I said, don't forget about the timestamps. Bottom of the episode. Fast forward to any of the funny bits of this. And then, uh, you know, just keep listening. You can listen pretty much anywhere else, though. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at D1 underscore rejects. On Instagram and TikTok at Division One Rejects to see highlights from the show. Before we get into all of that uh, fantastic conversation, let's go to the man, Jason Couch, from Alma College. Joining us on the show today, a man you don't want to see on the opposite sideline. I'm going hype you up a little bit here, Coach. His Scots had a hell of a year, topped it off with their first playoff win in program history. He rocked the kilt through all of it on game day. It's D3 football's regional coach of the year, Jason Couch from Elma College. Coach, I'd be lying if I said I
3: wasn't pumped about this one. I'm excited to get you on here, man. Well, I'll tell you, with an intro like that, I'll be on every week. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> great. you're building my ego
0: here, man. I love it. That's what I tell everyone, man. I got to butter you up a little bit at the beginning, get you talking, and then that's how we get the best conversations. I mean, that's go. what we got to do.
3: There you go. I love it. Uh, but Well, thanks for having me on, man. I love what you guys are doing. You're having some fun, right? You're, I mean, what an amazing job you're doing. You're college students and uh, found a passion and, and a, you know, roll with it, man.
0: Hell yeah. And that's where we were talking before I hit the record button just a couple seconds ago. I mean... Find home, right, and then also just find something you're passionate about and, and run with it, and that's, uh, yep. that's what I try and do every day. It's been, it's been a blast, but um, I will say a close second to doing the podcast is seeing you in the kilt on the sidelines. <laughs> I got to know how that originated,
3: and how long have you been doing it? Uh, so it originated when I started, when I interviewed for the job. Okay. Uh, so I was talking with my wife. I said, you know, if I get this job – I think I should coach in a kilt. And she's like, <laughs> excuse my language, Hell yes. She right? was on board right away with the kill. She, oh, she was so on board. She's like, you have great kneecaps, man. Show them <laughs> <all," right>? and, <laughs> Some Dan Campbell quality kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Trust me. I, but, <laughs> but I, um, you know, so she told me, yeah, you got to do it. So I get offered the job in, in January yeah, months go by. I meet with it, all this is a funny story. You shut me up when you want me to, but hell no. So I'm meeting with the, yeah, I'm meeting with the band director here because the entire marching band, hundred members strong, they're all in kilts. They're unbelievable. Okay. Bagpipes rocking, love it, right? Shout out. And so I meet with uh, Dave Zerby, the band director, I said, "Man, I, I need a kilt," and uh, he's like, "Why?" And I said, "Because I I want to coach in one." And he is just blown away. He's like, no way. I'm like, yeah, no, no coach has ever done it. He goes, nope. And uh, so then he's like, you know what? Because kilts are expensive. Like true authentic full kilts are a few hundred bucks, right? Yeah, quality.
0: Because obviously you can't, you know, this is not some run of the mill. This is a game day. Yeah, it's got to be top of the line.
3: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so he goes, hey, I have this alum he's kind of big guy he just died and donated his kilt back so i think you'd fit and i'm like so really i think he said fat guy so then i was like, <laughs> i mean i'll avoid the the uh, i'll avoid the rip and take a free kill <laughs> so so i take you know the sadly the kilt fits and uh, <laughs> so then I have the kilt. I'm ready. I order a few other things. Right. I didn't, I started to learn the sporing and all this other stuff, right. That I got to get and, uh, got to accessorize. Right. And so I told my wife, you know, it's going to be home games. There's just so much going in there. And my first game was away. First college game as a coach was away. I'm like, I'm too nervous. to bother with that. Let's do it. You know, home games. Okay. And then, uh, probably two nights before I'm like, I don't think I can do it. And she, <laughs> like she called me out. She's like, you're such a wimp, you know, and, all <laughs> this stuff. and, uh, so then I call one of my captains in on, uh, on Friday and said, you know, you probably heard, you know, rumors I figured we're out. I'm like, but I was thinking of wearing a kilt on the sidelines you know, should I surprise the guys walking into the locker room or should I, you know, tell them no way. Nobody has a clue. He goes, walk into the locker room full gear. And then, so I'm like, Oh my gosh, now I'm even more nervous. Right. So I go in there. It's like, you know, music stops. Everybody stops talking. They look at me. There's a pause. I start sweating more. Right. Like, (laughs) oh no. And then they erupt, right? They go crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it has stuck since uh, September of 2018. Every home game, I wear the kilt. Um, love it, whether it's 90 or our first playoff game. I think it was 17 degrees with 40-mile-an-hour winds. And kilt I, stays. I was, God. <laughs> and I was rocking the kilt, man, so... Now, traditionally, I've heard from a couple different people here.
0: The
3: question, the yep. question I'm asked so much. <laughs> what is
0: worn under the kilt, if anything, on game day?
3: Okay. You asked on game day. Yes.
0: <laughs> on game I day. Have
3: some, I have underwear on under on game day. There we go. My, You know, I would love for the Alma College to get highlighted on ESPN, but I don't want it to be if I – get taken out on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sh- yeah. So I figure I better protect myself in the college uh, by covering up a little bit. You know what?
0: I, awesome. I can respect that. I can respect those reasons. You guys are going to make it on there, and it's going to be for the right
3: reasons.
2: All right? It's Anything not going to be like for this. that one. Um, Actually, and I- <laughs> go ahead. So
3: after that first game, Dan Patrick uh, did a thing on it. And he really? Uh, he goes, I have a new favorite college football team in Michigan. And it was, you know, the picture of the kids. That is pretty so. sick, man.
0: That is pretty sick. And I was just thinking, like, we could start a new wave. College coaches <laughs> kind of embracing that side of their teams. We get Mel Tucker to come out in some Roman armor or something. We Why could not? have uh, newly hired Wooster at Grand Valley. Maybe a little sailor's cap on the sideline. I mean, you could go, you could go wherever with this. Absolutely, right? I, I think mean, we got to get some more coaches to buy in. I was just thinking too. Uh, Calvin, I believe, is joining your guys' league. Correct, first time yeah. uh, for them to have a football team. Who's to say they don't come out in a knight's helmet on the sideline?
3: Oh, I think I'd go full battle armor. Right? I mean, <laughs> you don't it- stop at the- <laughs> trying to do a play call with like the mask. Me, like you flip oh, up the little visor. <laughs> I would hope to play him early in the season when it's ninety and he just you know he melts inside that. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, People ask me a lot, why do I do it? Uh, It really, honestly, it started with, that's one way for me to externalize my pride of of being back here and coaching here, you know, being an alum. Yep. All of it just means so much to me. Um, So it's one little way. And and you know what? It's, I love it. I mean. Hey, we do too, man. A lot of people do. It's not, I think for just
0: to see a coach who, In the certain ways, you know, depending on how you do it, people could consider it like a corny thing. And I'm sure maybe some people were worried about that at the beginning, maybe yourself too, but – When you have a dude that's passionate about their team and about their culture and their program, their university, everything like that, you do it for all the right reasons, right? So you're not doing it just to get clicks, which is what a lot Mm -hmm. of people do things like that for. So I think that's the thing that differentiates it for me is you're doing it for the right reasons. And I know the guys down there buy into it, right? Like, that's no question. Like, they love that shit. So um, applaud. Mm -hmm. I applaud you because
3: I love seeing it. I know they do, too. Well, I'll try and find you a video, or you guys are better at tech than I am. But uh, you know, I bet the team one time we win this game, and uh, you know, I'll do the worm for you. So no there, way, someone's got there's video. A, there's a video out there of me. It actually, I got a call. It made on you know like Speedway pumps. You're kidding. Oh yeah, I had pumping the gas, turn over, you know, and you're. An alum in Wisconsin saying, I just watched you do the worm that, you know. <laughs> That's That's incredible. incredible I'm, I'm in my kill. I swear it's I saw that TikTok. video somewhere, actually. It's incredible.
2: I don't know. It's on but I right? saw
3: that video. I can't remember where. You were probably pumping gas. <laughs> <laughs> I probably was.
0: Oh, but, like you said, obviously proud for you to be an alum of, of where you're currently at, and a lot of firsts for your team this year. Talk about just – how special it was to lead this squad. And I guess more specifically, I want to know if there was a specific moment, whether it be in the beginning, the first couple weeks of the season, or if it was something in the preseason and fall camp where you kind of sat down and maybe got together with your coaches and were like, you know, this group is special and and we kind of know they can do something like that. Was there a specific moment where it all kind of clicked or, you know, the pieces just kind of fell as they may?
3: Well, first of all, I mean, I got to plug You know, you met Ettinger and The the rest of my coaching staff everybody was back with the exception of one mm. um and we had one retire and a and a new addition but the rest was back and so we're all on the same page right we're all talking the same lingo and our seniors um were 26 strong and uh you know they like you right they they weathered through covid on campus and they because we sat down when they were freshmen and said if you guys stick together, we're gonna to have something special here. Yep. And so they retained it over fifty percent, right? Wow. And and I, you know, give them a lot of credit for for believing in each other and, and the program. So we started a, a year ago. So in January we started. We always have kilt style. That's our culture. Yep. We can talk about that later if you want. But we started this climb as our year's motto, right? Um, and that's an acronym and. But more importantly, I think it gave guys a visual, like we have this mountain that we need to climb. January, I look up at a mountain. I'm going to say, heck no, I'm not doing it. Right. That's too big. But if you take step by step by step, you take January, February, March workouts. That's a piece of the mountain. And then Mm -hmm. we have spring ball and then you, they leave me, right? They go away in the summer, they go home. I'm nervous because I don't know what they're doing. They might and, fall down the mountain. They might take uh, some more steps. Right? And uh, and then here comes camp. And it was a few days into camp. We're waiting for the the one day, the slip practice, the practice that you're like, okay, let's hope we got that out of our system. Oh yeah. So that's like it's like practice two, three, four. I think it was the second day of, of pads. And it just kept building off of each other. And I, you know, I try to be an open book with the guys. I I want, um, I think if you're open with them, then they, you know, respond well. And I said, I'm like, do you guys feel something special this year? I mean, (laughs) because we talk about it. Now, let's not get, you know, I don't want to outgrow our helmets or anything, but we've got a long ways, we've got a long ways to go. But if we, you know, keep one step at a time up this mountain, we could have something special. Um, and then, you know, we went through the the non conference games, and uh, there there was something different. We went four and zero a year ago, right? In, mm-hmm. in twenty twenty, what year are we in? Twenty twenty one, and uh, we ended up five and five. So four and zero, and then we finished five and five, and. I'm just sick to my stomach. And, uh, and then the climb started. Right. And, uh, so then we, we went through the, the non-conference it's, it did feel different, right? We, we, we won games and fashions that we should have won games. Um, and then going into the conference, that's where it's, uh, we prepped the guys, like the new part of the mountain, right. Um, that, uh, it's going to be a challenge. It's a dogfight every single game. Um, I like but, the mountain analogy. I think that's oh, good. And north, like man.
0: I know up and here with Coach Rich, our new coach up here, his his spin on it is how do you eat an elephant, fellas? All the
1: time, one bite, one bite, one time.
0: bite at a time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. There you go. Wow. There you go. I was saying. He oh says yeah, it all yeah. The time. I got you. I got oh. you. What is it? <laughs> but yes, one bite at a time. That's how you take an elephant down. And uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's along, the same, along the same notes. I will say, though, outgrow your helmet might be one that I need to introduce to my uh,
3: vocab here. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, so <laughs> it was just about, you know, um, not slipping and, and keep moving forward. Win each day, we say that a lot. Um, and so I think, though, a big one, a big game for me, um, I kept my glass... Uh, you know, I, I get to be an emotional guy a little bit, and uh, you know, I'm very transparent in in my uh, expressions and stuff. And my wife says I'm a, I'd be a terrible poker player, right? Uh, but <laughs> but I uh, I got emotional. I kept the glasses on after after that win because I did. That's when it to me. I'm like, yep, we got something going here. And uh, meaning, I had some tears in the eyes because when we played Trine. Um, They're a good ball club, and, uh, you know, we took care of business pretty good in that game, and at their place, homecoming, uh, I thought we had something pretty special. So, still had several weeks to go. We had a bye week to deal with, which, to be honest with you, you, we looked at, and we're like, we have the perfect bye week, right? It's right before hope, arrival, and, and we had so much momentum going at that time. I think it might have, might not have been, but anyways, the results, you know, were good against Hope. And uh, and again, to go back to that climb analogy, after we were eight, no, we had Adrian left and then the matchup against Albion. Oh, yeah. Albion was undefeated as well. People wanted to talk about week 10 and we still had week nine. So that, that mountain came really into, you know, used it a lot as a visualization of, Guys, we're not gonna get to that peak if we take a slip you know, if we slip right now. So yep. focused on on that Adrian week and uh we're able to match up against against Albion at both at nine and oh for you know conference championship. Um I'll build up to that just had to have been awesome. And oh. we talked to Edinger about that
0: one and Him, you know, talking to you earlier in the year at the JV game, I believe he said, and just kind of mapping it out like, what if, right? Kind of almost messing around, but at the same time, knowing that both the squads could potentially go on runs like that. I just, you know, I'd have to imagine, and not to make you like pick one or the other, but obviously the Albion game, how big that was in that point in the season and conference play and just all the chips felt like they were stacked up to that moment. But then not only do you guys go and play a playoff game, but you win your first one in program history can bear those two environments for me, as tough as that is, and just how special both those moments were.
3: Uh, Albion was crazy. Uh, <laughs> our alums came back. Um, I mean, right. We have good tailgates. I mean, don't get, we're certainly not a, a Michigan state in numbers. Fair. Um, I think a few parents have, we tailgate like D1 on their, you know, <laughs> its sweatshirts. Uh, <laughs> so, so they're proud of that. But uh, there was probably eight to 10 motorhomes on Friday night. Um, they had their campfires going. They were geared up for that is electric. Um, awesome. It, it filled up by by, by 9 a.m. It was, uh, you know, uh, people had to park and walk into the main tailgate area. So having that environment where our alums, um, certainly the school was just having a blast, right? And, yeah. you know, the students and I, I know I talked, it was just, it was good for the college. I talked with our tennis coach who said, um, excuse me, our golf coach who said he had, four recruits there that day and he thinks all four committed, you know, clean sweep. They're, Love they're, it. Well, they're looking like we get to do this every week. You <laughs> <Yeah. know>? <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know? But, yeah. Where are the papers um,
0: at? Where do I sign?
3: <laughs> um, but it was just, you know, that environment and first time in 18 years. So um, we were hungry for it. And Elvian was a, is a phenomenal team and dusty coach Boer is, is a great guy and, you know, friend and, probably become even closer friend now that we're not coaching again <laughs> i love that i love that that's awesome So <laughs> that's pretty
0: special man but um, um
3: mountain joe certainly yeah i you know going into that week we were worried the first meeting was absolutely let's be happy we're gonna pick out rings we're gonna do all the fun stuff but don't be satisfied mm-hmm. right because he's I, i've seen it in high school level yeah, we finally made the playoffs, right? And then the first playoff game, you don't come out and perform because you were, you know, satisfied with being there. And it takes that one time to get there to to know what's coming, right? So, I mean, don't get me wrong; we're certainly talking conference, and and we're not looking past game one or you know eight or ten. But now it's like, let's keep raising the bar, right? So, I love it. I love it, man. And um, what
0: I really wanted to to get you on here and talk about kind of the bigger news that's come from your guys' camp as of late. You know where I'm going with this one. You guys are going to Scotland, man. That yeah. is absurd. I'm scrolling through the the feed, my timeline whatever on the D1 Rage account the other day and I just I got to know how that came along and really how long it was in
3: the making that something like this could really come to fruition for you guys. Um for the most part when I when I got hired Um, My old head coach, a mentor of mine, a man I love, uh, Jim Cole, uh, who I played for, um, he went with a group at Alma to Finland in the 80s. And, um, you know, I just heard great stories and things like that. And so we actually had a trip planned in April of 2020, but March of 2020 happened and it got canceled. So, man. Um, we're doing things better this way this time, uh, because since then we've, have, we've been doing a lot of fundraising to help alleviate the costs. There's going to be some out of pocket, but I, I, we we've done a good job the last couple of years. That's incredible. And, uh, and so now we're going to be going in April on April 27th, uh, 2024, we're playing the East Kilbride Pirates, uh, near Glasgow. That is something
0: else, man. Yeah. And I was trying to do, you know, what kind of host would I be if I didn't do a little bit of research, but East Kilbride won the championship over there. They brand themselves as Scotland's number one American football club. First of all, yep. club is just hilarious to me because that makes me think of like the yeah. other football, right? Yeah. Which is funny. Well,
3: um but it, these guys, I mean, they work all day, they yeah. practice a couple times a week, and they are playing a sport that they love that isn't even, you know, traditional in their exactly. Country. Yeah. And here we are a d3 team that none of my guys are getting paid to play they love to play football and here we're gonna go over there uh, we talked about a possible clinic with them the night before um, the day of the game so that's Saturday and then uh, the the general manager that I talked to said um, that the post game group banquet is going to be fun so i don't know what that means (laughs) he left it at (laughs) that huh yeah i i'm a little nervous (laughs) but you know i don't so i won't promise you on this show but if i if i commit to working out there is a chance that you know this isn't ncaa allows it permits these games but it's not sanctioned right so there's some different rules but uh so uh I might have an opportunity to lace up the, the cleats one more time and uh, take one snap or something like that. Hey, we so like the sound here we of that. Go. Here we go. we <laughs> like the sound of that. That would be awesome. Um, And I'm I, sure – go ahead. The ultimate would be coach the first half in a kilt, second half come out and play a couple plays. Throw the pads on. Yeah. Come and, on, we need it. Be awesome. We need that and selfishly right by then so my my oldest son uh is a freshman here uh and on the team and then i've got a senior in high school he's coming um i would have an opportunity to suit up with two of my boys and uh you know maybe hell yeah family affair for the couch fam
0: (laughs) that is so sick man could you imagine being able to go do something like that i mean just like their situation.
1: Two generations on the field at the same time. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that.
3: Well, crud, now I got to suit up my dad. All right. <laughs> We're no. get three three generations, generations
1: on the field at the same time. <laughs> that be legendary. Um, man,
0: that is so sweet. Um, and just kind of, you know, to continue on that, if this is something that, you know, assuming you guys have had this time to plan, it goes well, is this something that you're planning on being a reoccurring trip for teams down the line? I'm sure you're expecting that question yeah. out of
3: me. Yeah, I would love to do this every player's cycle, right? So yep. once yeah. every, you know, everybody gets an opportunity once while they're here. So it yep. uh, might be after your freshman year, it might be after your senior, depending on how it falls, right? But, um, you know, there's a couple obvious advantages. We we get extra practices to prepare for that game. You're not going to go in there cold and, and play a game. So I think we're allowed 10 practices, right? Okay. Um, more so to me is... Seven to 10 days. Those aren't exactly finalized yet, but are going to be Talk about team bonding. I yep, mean, that's, yeah, that's huge. You're going to be in a different country with your buddies and it's going to be an amazing experience. Um, I, I can't wait. Uh, That's exactly what
0: I wanted to ask was because, you know, you guys are over there and, you know, you're going to play the game. You're going to do the banquet. You can say maybe a clinic or whatever. But I have to imagine this is going to be more than just a two or three day trip. You guys are going to make something out of this and talk about if, you know, it's still early. But what else do you guys have planned as of now? And what could this trip really turn into for the guys?
3: So we're certainly going to hit Edinburgh. Um, We're going to, you know, do that city. Uh, over to Glasgow because that's near the game. Um, another nice city to walk through. Yep. Uh, I asked our travel person. I really want us to go up into Inverness, up into the Highlands, and uh, I, something stupid. So when I was in college, uh, <laughs> when I was in college, I, I was able to study for three weeks in London, and a uh, couple of us in the class said we bought a a rail pass and we took off to Inverness, Scotland, and I found the cheapest golf course I could find. So I golfed. Now I can claim I golfed in Scotland, right? (laughs) It was was no better than, you know, it was, but I can say I did it right. And then, um, we went even over to the lock and, uh, we went down to the this, the Andes and we jumped in the the, the lock there, and uh, I can claim I, I swam with Nessie, the Loch Ness monster. Right? Oh <laughs> shit, that is well, awesome! <laughs> I want to take the team, and we can have a team jump in with that. N- and let me tell you, that water doesn't get like above forty. It was so cold. <laughs> say hey, hey, that's like some Lake place. Superior type like water. Another place uh, I know. Yeah, I would yeah. say we know yeah, a little exactly. something about that up here,
0: Coach yep
3: exactly now and no uh, mythical yeah. beast up here in superior that we know of that we know that we know of it's yep. certainly i remember enough. getting back to the cab and he was like calling everybody you wouldn't believe these bloody americans i mean and it was awesome like he's like <laughs> nobody does this nobody's this stupid and i'm like now i can say i swam with Nessie. you kidding me <laughs> That is awesome.
0: Um, and before I – I won't hold you too much longer. Before I let you go, though, just to talk about, um, you know, wrapping things up with signing day and bringing in that next mm-hmm. class, you know, talk about the program, taking the next steps. But more importantly, what do you do now? Do you just walk into a high school now? I mean, you guys, you won the league, just won a playoff game. You're going over to Scotland. Do you just walk in and, and hand them
3: your number and then hit the door? Or how does that work now? No, 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 no. Come <laughs> <I'm> on, no. My- <laughs> I don't put on a helmet, but I wear a hat sometimes. So I okay. want it to still fit and uh good, good. You know, um, no, absolutely not. You, you right? I mean, there's so many great institutions, so many great schools and opportunities. uh, in the state of Michigan, right? I mean, how many schools have football? Yeah, so the competition here is is crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's great for kids to have opportunities. So high academics and and passion to play football and, and desire to win right that's where every school you know wants those kids and so yes, more, door, more doors are open for them but um it has uh i think sparked the interest of more we've had more um recruits want you know coming to campus and visiting us and see uh, more guys that um you know maybe the level of play they didn't think Elma was there and now they see that we are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some that might compete with some division two offers and, and things along that line. Um It's been a lot of news oh, like that this year. I know there's a couple
0: different teams in your league that have pulled in some guys, you know, unsuspecting yeah. really, as far as where they different evaluators or whatever, had them placed to be going to these schools. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to surprise some teams going to put some teams on the map this year. I think it's, it's great for, uh, for all levels of football. And I'd like to, we just talked about Ithaca the other week on the podcast, yeah. somewhere where I took a couple of visits out in New York uh, because of their broadcasting program and what they've been able to do and go and play in MetLife, where I went out there for that game, and then they just played in Yankee Stadium this past year. Yeah. And for these teams at this level to go do things that are this special, I don't think that can be put into words. One, the experience for the players and the coaches, but for the alumni and for everyone involved in all these different parties, just what you guys are able to do, I'm so excited to see. The future on the field, obviously, but then the trip to Scotland and everything else you guys do on and off the field. um, I feel super privileged to have you and Eddinger both on here, man. But uh, like I said, I cannot thank you enough. This has been this has been great. You're the man I would love to have you on whenever
3: you're willing. You let me know. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so good luck to you guys. Uh, Not just, you know, what you're doing right here, but also on the field and in the classroom and uh, keep killing it, man. Thank Coach. you, Coach. Appreciate it, Coach. Kilt style from Rupp and Marquette, Coach. We appreciate Thanks. you a ton. All right. Thank you, guys.
0: Have a good night. We'll see you. Great talking with Coach Couch. Like I said, we're, he'll definitely he's going to be a recurring guy on the show. I hope so. And you know, character. if this season was any inclination of what that team's going to do in the near future, we'll have good reason to bring him back on, especially when they come back from Scotland. You yeah. know what I, mean? I forgot to ask was, um, I was like, can we get a bagpipe competition with the, with the guys when they go over there? That'd be electric. It'd be crazy. It'd be so sick, dude. Be funny. Like, let's go. Let's. We got like five pairs of bagpipes. Who has the best
1: pipes on the team? That's a. <laughs> that's clever.
2: It is. Clever. It is.
3: It
1: is a. I think that's not bad. I mean, it's a very team bonding thing. That's, that's what you're saying. I think that's yeah. big. And I also think about uh, Michigan does a lot of that. The Michigan football team. They went to a lot of. that. Um, Was it Greece or Rome? Yeah, I, but I think they went like on like a travel through, and then they, they came up here. Through,
2: they traveled through Michigan. They too. did travel through Michigan. I actually
1: went on a cruise of Pictured Rocks with the Michigan football team
0: wow. while working for the news station up here. So I uh, was met Harbaugh and all the guys. McCarthy was on the was on the ship. All those guys. So we went on a cruise. They were uh, not as enthused as probably what they were when they were going to to Greece no, yeah, or wherever. Yeah. Um, I mean, but Pictured Rocks is pretty cool. I Munising mean, is a cool little spot. So they did some some uh, travels around the UP, which is sweet. But We're going to talk about some D2 guys and the small school guys that are getting invited to the NFL combine. There are three of them. And as you'd expect, pretty obvious picks. Uh, One of them we might not be as familiar with, but the first one out of the GLIAC, Caleb Murphy, the defensive end out of Fair state just finished up playing in the East West shrine bowl, broke the single season division two, no single season NCAA record. Sorry for sacks in a year with like 25 and a half. The Ted Hendricks award winner, the first non-FBS winner to win that award in its over 20-year history, let alone Division two player. And we know the other guys who come off of that award. Aiden Hutchinson was last year's winner. You got guys like Bradley Chubb, Jadavion Clowney. Those are the type Troll of – Suggs
1: yep, on there. Huge. Yeah, huge.
0: Terrell all... Suggs was the former sack record that yeah, he yeah, broke, yeah. I believe, correct? Yeah, and, that, and it was one great. of the
1: years that he won it is the one that he broke it. In. But it was uh, – yeah, it's, it was pretty crazy. It's, it's just special. It's wild to, to see
0: like that type of award go to someone at this level, but he's absolutely deserved it. Um, like I said, just played in the East-West Shrine Bowl and has put a lot of people on notice. And I think a thing that helps him a lot too is, I mean, first of all, he went back-to-back national championships yeah. at the D2 level, but when you're playing that many games and you make that deep of a run to the playoffs every year... A, more film, correct? But not only more film, but you're getting film against quality teams. Yeah. The yeah. teams that they beat, one of them being Tyson Bajan, we'll talk about him in a second, against the the Shepard Rams, who the best offense in the country, people were saying, back-to-back years with the uh, former Harlan Hill winner. You're playing against teams like that, and uh, let's not forget that Shepard has a tackle in Joey Fisher that is making a ton of noise, and his draft stock has only gone up and up. He actually uh, got an invite to the Reese Senior Bowl after his performance in a different... Uh, week of camp there, I forget where, but when you're getting film against these guys that are going to go play at the NFL level, not to mention two guys from Ferris in Pasquale, and I forget the I forget the other name, but two of, they have two tackles in the last couple of years that have gone on to at least get shots in the NFL yeah. at Ferris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are guys you're competing against every day, kind of trading uh, knowledge with, trading technique with. The 6'4", 245-pound senior, uh, Michigan native as well, originally it was at Grand Valley. Correct. He was yep. his freshman year. Yep, and then transferred over to Ferris. He's a guy that has just made a ton of noise, and is someone that I think we're going to see on some big boards. Like you know what I mean? Like you get yeah. to like the Mel Kiper big boards. Like oh, it'll be yeah. a name that surprises some people. Um, I'm I'm excited to see where he goes. And in the beginning, I think people were, before the awards kind of started coming in and things, people were like. Yeah, like he's got. a I mean, he will obviously get a shot as a free agent if nothing pans out. But like people are like, yeah, he's got a shot. At like a, maybe like a sixth round. You know, like he could get picked fifth round. And then now you're like, wait a minute, this guy could be like. I don't want to sound ridiculous. He could be like a third round draft pick. Yeah, exactly I, was, I was I was thinking saying. fourth round. Yeah, but I don't think I, like a late question. I don't think a late third round draft pick is actually ridiculous at this no, point. No, friend.
1: no, I could that was my first guess. Third round. You think
0: so? And you that's know, like the company you're in there. I mean, we've seen guys, shit, the two guys for the Lions that they picked up late in the draft. You look at the sixth-round pick in Rodrigo, and yeah. he's a and, PFF uh, all-rookie team. James Houston's another great example who started playing halfway through the year and put up incredible stats Wasn't he second
2: in rookies and sacks? Did him he and, him? And, yeah, him and, and Hutch then, had on, the most combined
0: Hutch, sacks, yeah. rookie sacks and some, some record, but... The late round picks you can certainly get production out of, but I don't know if this Murphy. I don't know if Murphy's going to fall that far. No. I really don't. I'd love to see the comparisons. Um, obviously, there's other talented edge rushers, but with with a position that has been at such a premium as this one in the NFL in the last couple of years, I'm excited, dude. It's gonna be pretty cool. Like, oh, yeah. We're not like I don't want to like fanboy it, but it's just cool to see a dude from Michigan and a dude from our league, yeah, to get his name in us on draft. Yeah.
2: Right? I mean, I, th- I, think, little, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, here's a little comparison for you. So, Matt Judon, who played at Grand Valley. There you go. He got drafted in the fifth round in 2016. Sweet. And he had an amazing year, senior year, but, you nothing know, nothing compared it is, to it wasn't, what he's got going on right yeah. now. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, so I could, fourth, in late third round is definitely plausible. Yeah. Like, without a doubt.
0: I would agree. That's, a, that's a, And it's an accurate comparison, same yeah. league, same making league. that same jump. Yeah. That's why it's
2: a great comparison. They don't they're not exactly similar players and how they play. I and mean would say I, he's
0: obviously such a different part in his career, but yeah, he's like yeah, yeah. he's like Grand Valley's golden boy over there. Oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah. He they had him narrate a piece for them uh when they were heading into the playoffs. It was pretty sweet. Oh really? He, yeah, well well Judah knows
2: like he seems like a very great guy. Like I've heard He of, does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He definitely does. we have got to see if like we can get like Mary to narrate some some long for form piece for us. It'd be pretty yeah. dope. We appreciate, you I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm going to have to make that happen. Um, but the next guy I want to talk about, Tyson Bajan, out of uh, Shepard University. He's the 6'3", 210-pound senior quarterback. Uh, the Harlan Hill winner, not this year, but last year in 2021-2022 uh, you know like season. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was also a finalist this year for the award as well. I believe he may have been in third place behind Murphy and John Matoka out of minds. Uh, this guy has made a lot of noise as of late. 210 like I said, so decent frame as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Uh maybe not your typical like sit and pocket pass, uh just sturdy built. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like a big enough frame and he's athletic enough. His arm talent has shown the last couple weeks. He went and balled out at the hula bowl and then was invited to the senior bowl, the Reese's senior bowl, along with his tackle, Joey Fisher. And this kid has just continued to impress a lot of people. And I know you and I were talking about, we saw different articles and things from the senior bowl, which is really the top of the top, Really, like the upper echelon of, you know, players preparing for the draft. Um, that he might have had the best arm talent there.
2: Yeah, I saw people saying, like, he was out competing most of the quarterbacks there. Like, he was right with them. Like, they said he outplayed Max Duggan. There's a big name for you out of TCU, you know. And, like, that's just a name that everyone's going to know. Of course. And he was outplaying him, like, the whole time. I don't remember where I saw but I saw it on Twitter somewhere. And, yeah, he. it just seems like he's definitely boosting his draft stock a lot. Yeah. Or at least I don't even know if he was in conversation to really get drafted per se, not like, before this, especially yeah, yeah, not before this, but now you got to think at least a six round pick. Someone's going to want to.
0: Yeah. Now his performance during the actual senior bowl game was nothing, uh, super noteworthy. Jake Hayner from Fresno state actually came out and had a, he, he kind of balled out in that game. Yeah. So his stock went way up out of Fresno. He was one that definitely made an impact. Uh, Jaron Hall at a BYU was a guy. I think okay. a lot of people were impressed with one of those bigger names. Duggan was a guy that was there. Shepard is, is right on that list. Uh, Clayton tune out of Houston. Uh, Malik Cunningham from Louisville, I think is a name that a lot oh, yeah. of people will recognize. And uh, you know, it it's just interesting that I guess also Hennon Hooker was there. I didn't realize this. He was not able to play, obviously coming but off still that went. surgery, he still but he went. was he must he was still there. It looks like uh he was in mobile for this is it mobile, mobile, how do you use mobile?
2: In mobile. Mobile. Mobile,
1: mobile was he moving?
0: No, like mobile. I think the place is called Mobile. Like the, oh. I've never really understood that. But like their hashtag is like hashtag The draft starts in Mobile.
2: Oh, M- Mobile, Alabama. Mobile. Oh, that's how you say it. Mobile. Yeah, but I didn't know you were Learn something the, every day. City. Yeah, it's Mobile. It's Mobile. Yeah.
1: Why do they spell English? Is such a dumb language.
2: It really is. There's some crazy <laughs> <laughs> words. <laughs> that's <to things>. bullshit.
1: <laughs> but this just shows you how big. Like that's everyone, crazy. like the Senior Bowls and everything. They weren't like I remember, like growing up, they weren't like a big thing. Like I never like really watched a Senior Bowl. Yeah. But a guy like this who's now making a name for himself and his draft stock is yeah. just going through the roof. Like
0: it might not be a big deal for casual fans, but like no. I'm telling you every NFL team is in attendance at these. Like to are there at yeah. least. And because not only that, they're having guys that coach in these bowls, yeah. right? So, Did you see Belichick actually,
2: at the Senior Bowl? He was like He's one of the coaches, one of the few. He's out there coaching all the guys. On. Very like, hands-on. Like,
0: for the coaches to get a chance to go out there and have that opportunity to be with these guys and see how they react to coaching and see how they how they move up close and personal and just be on the field with them, I think that's invaluable for oh, coaching yeah. staff, especially for an elite evaluator like Bill Belichick. Um, we've seen some interesting things out of him in the past. Remember, he went to Middle Tennessee and missed... He missed the draft... The combine. He missed the combine, went to Middle Tennessee State to work out some defensive end in the middle it just like it was out of left field and everyone was like oh it's Bill Belichick if anyone else were to fucking do that they would have cooked the shit out of him on oh, the internet and yeah. never let him hear the end of it i don't even know if they ended up taking the dude at MTSU.
2: no they didn't
0: but because it was bill belichick they were like oh, oh he's fine. got he's he's chess yeah. chess not checkers chess not checkers dude he doesn't need the maybe combine maybe he
2: just doesn't want to go to the combine when he has all these other scouts that that's the easy part you know what i mean i'm saying yeah. he's not the only yeah. talent he's, evaluator yeah. in the
1: patriots building
0: yeah, yeah but that's just what he enjoys state. he
2: gets to go be hands-on more like at the combine he's not he has to go sit and watch
1: he doesn't care who they yeah. take <laughs> as long as they get a big quarterback they'll be all right yeah um speaking of big guys
0: offensive lineman out of minnesota duluth the northern sun conference brent lane he is six four two ninety four 294 out of lakeville minnesota and he is the third guy we're going to talk about today a little bit, and the one that I really am the least familiar with out of the three of these guys. The other two have have made some decent headlines. Um, not to say he has not; his draft stock has certainly started to rise. And when you get invited to the combine, that is a good indicator that you. Oh, he got invited are, to the NFL yes. combine. Yes, oh, there you wow, go. That's, that's big, <clears throat> huge. All this, these that, these three guys—that's their uh, their common piece there. All yeah. going to the combine. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, now, with him, he was <laughs> <laughs> hey, lock in. <laughs> he uh was a huge leader for for that team and what I've in what I've read and uh he was all NSIC first team recognition for the second time in his career so two-time uh, all-league player first team and what I've seen about him is I don't know if like he's a quickness thing he's 6'4" 294 which NFL size is not going to blow anybody away no. correct no i think that's pretty there's nothing crazy right I enough. mean, we just had a guy sitting in here the other day that was six Six, seven seven, eight
1: 300 pounds yeah yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah. which who does not have the experience that this guy does let's remember that obviously but uh brent lang definitely look for him to potentially get his name called and even though he was not invited to the combine joey fisher out of shepherd um who i've talked with a little bit i'd like to get him on the show if i get the chance just talk about the senior bowl and other type of things uh look for him and brent to both potentially get their name called on draft night and if they don't definitely to get a chance as an undrafted free agent. So two offensive linemen to watch coming out of of D2 this year. Um, Both of them have made huge strides in their stock. But moving on, Wayne State, new head coach, Tyrone Wheatley. I'll pull up uh, the article here, but like I said in the intro, this guy was a former All-American at the University of Michigan. He went on to... uh, Playing the NFL, he went on to coach in the NFL for a little bit. Actually, most recently was with the Broncos in some type of uh, capacity. And uh, what's really cool about this as well is he was the head coach at Morgan State before going to the Broncos. Yeah, did not have a lot of success over there with the Bears. We'll say yeah. the record was not great. This FCS, uh, yes, I believe it is FCS. It's Division One. Um, and that's not to say he, that's not to say he won't have success at Wayne State. He's from Detroit initially, mm-hmm. so I think a pretty obvious hire for them, someone who okay. has that breadth of experience, that breadth of work. Um, but like I said, let's talk about the cojones of the Wayne State interim athletic director. Yeah. Comes in again as an interim, not like fully hired. I think her first action, her first move after getting the title, Coach Winners. See.
2: See ya. You big know, name too. big name yeah. too. Coach
0: Winners to has been there for he won a, a national minute. Championship there. Yeah, and I think that's what they had kind of been hanging their hat on for a long time.
2: See, that was 2010.
0: Exactly. Not no diss at Coach Winners. Oh, no, I know a lot three. of guys who are, you know feel really strongly about him and and just love him as a coach and as a man. But uh, you know they haven't re- had that success as of late. 2018, they had a year where they finished, I believe, second. in The GLIAC, outranked Grand Valley. Beat Grand Valley. Beat Ashland. And they had a really good year. And, you know, since then, haven't seen much. That was kind of the odd, the oddball yeah. of the bunch. Yeah. Right? They hadn't, that was kind of a fluke year. I don't want to say fluke, but yeah. when you look at the grand scheme of things, this is what it was. I mean, they haven't um, had success. Exactly. So, and, yeah. Yeah. And people could come at us and be like, well, you guys haven't. Yeah, we haven't. All right. But we're not talking about us. We're talking about Wayne State. So shut the hell up. So, uh, anyways, <laughs> Coach Tyrone Wheatley, we want to talk about him, though. We don't talk about us. Here's the little graphic. By the way, sick ass graphic. Yeah, that was, that's a pretty good. One. What a clean yeah, graphic, it is dude. good. He's got a Bills hat on there. So he must have been with the Bills uh, before the Broncos.
2: Before I'm pretty sure it was before he was at Morgan State. He's been to a bunch of different NFL teams as the running backs coach.
0: Yep, that makes sense.
2: Seven or eight of them, I think. Damn! Like, like he bounced around for a few years. I can't remember all of them, but
0: he is the 20th coach in Wayne State history in over a hundred years of football at the university. So that's crazy. Uh, you're averaging over five years for a head coach. It's not bad. It's pretty average, actually. You yeah, know what I mean? I about five years. Yeah. 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 Probably average. Um, I don't know. Because that's when you kind of give a coach like, okay, five years, you've had your chance to get your recruiting classes in here and things like yeah. that. Honestly, it's kind of a high number for 100 years um, because that means you're just kind of recycling in and out. But Winters had a very long stead. So I would like to see what that number was years, before, you know before him. Was that's a good question. Over 12. I mean, oh, yeah. Well, he was there in exactly so, so, yeah, over 12 to 13 years. So, and you got to think he an didn't just
2: come in in 2010. <clears throat> it was probably been yeah, one. he definitely
0: didn't just come in and inherit yeah. a national championship team. Yeah, um, but no, talking about uh Wheatley a little bit more. He let's see here. Would you
2: like to hear where he's been at? Go ahead. So, he was uh at Ohio Northern in 2008 as a running backs coach. Got it. Then he went to Eastern Michigan running backs coach, then Syracuse. Damn. Running backs coach from 2010 to 2012. Then the Bills for uh, just one year, 2013-2014. Then went to Michigan as a running backs coach. Then the Jaguars. Damn. Then Morgan State as a head coach. Then the Broncos and now <clears throat> Wayne State. So he's bounced big around.
0: Names. Those are some big names. What was a first-round draft pick by the Giants, by the way.
2: Really? Coming I out of college. I knew he was really good in college. I didn't know
0: that. 17th overall. 10-year professional career. Spent his last six seasons with the Oakland Raiders. So, pre Said between the two organizations, Wheatley rushed for almost 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, added 900 receiving yards. So, you know, I don't think he was by any means like a... receiving
2: touchdowns as well.
0: Yes, and uh, I don't think by any means he was um, like an all-pro type player at the next level, but had a pretty decorated career in the NFL and a 10-year career for a running back. It's and impressive. no matter, you know, your production is, a shelf life
1: for sure. Exactly. The
0: shelf life is, is a really good turn. So that is uh, that is pretty sweet. And I think the biggest thing that he had to say was um, just about being in Detroit and, like, talking about this is home. And the big thing for Wayne State right now is, like, this is our Detroit. Right? And that's, that's kind of like their yeah. brand kind of right now. And, like, he really wants to embody that. And he's talking about, um, you know, really just – bringing that into their program. I'm excited to see what he does. He's the fourth new head coach in the GLIAC heading into the 2023 season. So there's a lot of things up in the air. Two of those four are internal hires. We'll say that. So not a lot of turnover up at Michigan Tech or down at Grand Valley, but uh, pretty sweet stuff on that end. NFL side of things. We'll keep chugging forward. Want to start Super Bowl? Let's go Super Bowl first, huh? Sure. Just kind of quick. Nothing too crazy. Everyone's talking about the Super Bowl. We can just touch on it. Yeah. it's this weekend, and I just want to touch on a couple of guys that we're expecting to play in the Super Bowl. The latest on Patrick Mahomes is that he is fully practicing; he's going to be ready to go. I don't think that's many surprise people because, no. thankfully, his ankle didn't get any worse in that uh, AFC Championship game, and you know they had him—you know they had him drugged up on something for that because he looked yeah. like he was running good. Yeah.
2: He went
1: in the locker room and took him in. But I mean, a competitor like that, you Patrick, really why don't you think? Come over here, real quick? But I got how, someone that wants to see. Think about how
2: it. much he was in the train, like their version of training room, which is just you know it, their technology that they have in their training. Next rooms, level, next yeah. level. So he's probably living in there. Think about what he has at his house. He True. he has a five hundred million dollar contract or whatever. He probably has his own training room in his house, the top of the line equipment. You know what I mean? That'd be badass. Like I'm sure fully like, staffed. <laughs> He Just can afford
1: it. but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it'd be a joke if people didn't think he was going to play a competitor like oh, yeah. that. Like him or not, he's a competitor. Yeah.
0: And then the other big—I do say it's big news, but the other relevant news for Kansas City is that Kadarius Tony, who has been battling a back injury, I believe he's fully practicing. Oh, that's that's good, good news for Kansas City. Um, with them, and people had kind of questioned their receiver core for a little bit, um, but they've been able to spread the wealth so oh, yeah. well, rest, especially throughout the better. postseason. I think
2: in all honesty, I think that the Chiefs this year are a better team than when they had Tyreek Hill. I really? Think. I think that them spreading the ball around has made them better overall.
0: It's definitely impressive. So him being back adds to that lineup of of some guys that already have had really good games, and uh, MVS had a breakout performance. In that AFC Championship, he was kind of the one that shouldered the burden for the most part for that wide receiver room, which has been uh, pretty cool to see for him. And on the other side of the ball, Lane Johnson on the Eagles, the tackle that has made a lot of headlines here in the last couple weeks, mostly because he's playing with a torn adductor in his groin.
2: That's that is incredible. It's very impressive. And that not only, yes, yeah, not yeah.
0: only is he playing on it, he's going to suit up for the Super Bowl.
1: He held Nick Bosa without a sack in the NFC
0: Championship That's just game crazy.
1: on a torn groin.
2: I don't even get how you do that.
1: How do you get up out of a stance? No, yeah. I mean, you got to kick step backwards. Yeah. And that is almost all growing. As another yeah. grown man, as a
2: probably a depoy, boy, yeah. is
0: running at you to pass rush.
1: One I can't get over that.
0: The, one of the best to do it right now. I can't. Yeah. I cannot get over that. Um, now, the story with him is kind of interesting because he knew he had the torn adductor and he needs surgery. But he said, okay, let me finish the year because he's a badass. So he's like, let me approach a rehab route that will allow me to play and finish the rest of the year. After the year, I'll get the surgery. So that's what he's kind of been doing. He was able to come back when they started making this this kind of playoff run. And this time right now, you obviously get that extra week before the Super Bowl. He said that was huge for him because it's another week of – Yes, he's practicing, but it's like I can't you know taking, they're limiting yeah. his ass over oh, the practice yeah. field. Yeah. So for him to be in there getting rehab and, most importantly, rest. Like, you can only rehab so much. You still got to rest. So the extra week for him, he said, has been huge. Um, still planning on getting the surgery after the season, but I can't get over that, dude. I think it's impressive as hell. Yep. That's yeah, ridiculous. It, it, it really a warrior. is ridiculous. But uh, we got any score predictions? I'm not a big score prediction guy, but – I got Eagles winning. Do you see?
2: I got Chiefs winning.
0: I got Chiefs winning by ten.
2: I like that. I think it's gonna be high scoring though. Com-
0: I think that I would put the sp- I would put the spread at like it's
1: like one and a half right now. It's crazy. Is it really?
0: It's I was really gonna say small. I was
2: gonna say Chiefs
0: minus five and a half spread or something like that. That's what yeah. I would exactly. have guessed. I think the
1: Eagles are favored. Are they really? Look it up. I think the Eagles are favored. I might have to. Um, but yeah, damn. That's um. Cause I looked at the spread the other day. I think it's 31-28 Eagles. Yeah. Solid score prediction.
2: That is a solid That's score it? prediction. <laughs> That's the score prediction? Game um, winning field goal. I think it be like 35-28.
0: I checked the spread a week ago, so. Spread is minus one and a half for Philly, at least on this that I'm reading. So That's pretty crazy stuff. Not what I would that have expected. No, Not I would, what I would have expect expected it at all.
1: Who's, did you see like the last six Super Bowls have been won by the team in white? I did yeah, see that stat. Weird stat pretty crazy or uh, the team that lost the or won the coin tosses lost the last like seven times someone that
0: doesn't give a shit about any of that is uh that. <laughs> christian mccaffrey this is fucking hilarious he says i don't want to see anyone win the super bowl uh he came out on a show and basically said that i hoped both teams lose is what he told I the person on some podcast this is so awesome this salty little picture
2: <laughs> i think it's funny because like how many times have you said that watching two teams like I don't care about these teams? Yeah. Like, I just want both teams to lose. Yeah, is like yeah. is there
0: a way where both these guys just have a loss in the column at the end of the day because I would hate to see either of them win? Um I don't feel that way about the Super Bowl. No. Um I could you know either team I could be kind of happy for them. Yeah. Um, but Christian McCaffrey obviously missing out after that NFC championship game, the yeah. way that they lost oh, that yeah. NFC championship game, yeah. quarterback
1: list. Yeah. Kittle's uh Kittle's uh post game speech. That reporter asked that question, and I don't even know what he asked. But are you sad that you lost because you didn't have a quarterback? Yeah. He just, like, looks at the guy, and I'm like, what do you what do you think he's going to say to <clears> you, <throat> you, know? Yeah. You really think he's going to be cordial with you? That's what we call boneheaded journalism.
0: Well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Have you seen some of the questions that, like, Jalen Hurts has gotten? Like, for the Super Bowl? Like, some of them are getting some of
0: the Super Bowl stuff before the Super Bowl gets out of hand like crazy. The media is rabid.
2: Listen to this. I, I don't remember where I saw this, but he was like, <laughs> To be honest with you, Jalen, I didn't think you guys would make it to the Super Bowl with you at quarterback. Jalen Hurst goes, "Okay, that's cool. Have a good day." He like he did, he responded so professionally, like it didn't even bother. I think he's him. a class act. Oh, that's Jalen though,
0: yeah. and that's what yeah, he's, Sirianni he's, he's said so, about him is that he gave an example of some playing against New Orleans where he capped off this crazy run, worked his way out of trouble, blah blah blah, first converts the first down, and was just stone yeah. cold right. And then a game later down the season. Throws an interception, bad play, totally other side of the spectrum. Same face, man. like that. Uh, same face, right? Yeah. That's that Alabama, right? That's that. That's exactly well, yeah, what no, I was going to say. say that that Alabama. Nick
2: well, Nick Saban has always talked highly of him, even after he transferred. Yes, he still talks highly of him. Yeah, like all all you hear is good things about Jalen Hurts. He yeah. always people. Always and Alabama's
1: still him. trying to claim him. <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to try to claim
0: him <laughs> yeah, as many high you right, as you yeah, can. Yeah. It's just funny. That argument is kind of funny. No. I can see both. I mean, he's at Alabama. played a ton of meaningful games there, won a lot of games there. I, I get it both ways. But um, we can pivot. We can pivot over to another side of the NFL. <laughs> Dang. This is pretty crazy, boys. This is from Dove Cleman, and he is reporting on this now. He's just he's just the messenger here, right? This is not Dove doing the reporting. But- Don't shoot him investigation has found that Broncos quarterback, Russell Wilson's foundation has spent just 24.3 cents of every dollar on charitable activities in 2020 and 2021 combined. The foundation has raised millions, but only a quarter of it goes to charity. And actually it's less than a quarter. 24.3 is not 25. No. Uh, Yep. That
1: is blasphemous. Um,
0: isn't and
2: a, it's a children's foundation, foundation, isn't it? Or yeah, no? they donate to kids. And yes, just it's, it's known on. as Dang the it it is, the
0: foundation is known as the Why Not You Foundation. And <laughs> it was a six, six month investigation by USA Today Network that was published very recently. And this is a guy who won the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award in
1: 2020. <laughs> can they take that away?
2: Yeah, can you can you get <laughs> like revoked like, like I mean, Heisman?
1: Like, like Reggie Heisman? Yeah. yeah, I mean, legit. Can you were, take that away? I mean, that is not a Walter well, Payton
0: man of the year. I don't year. think
2: this has ever occurred where someone that wins Walter Payton man of the year is not. No, you know how I'm much they got to
0: vet these guys before they just hand out these awards? Like, this must have been on the down low. Now, they got these numbers, I believe, from federal tax returns, which, if you're a nonprofit like this, I believe all that information is public. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. somebody you went sleuthing around. You got to know if you're the dude. Like, at least cover it up. I and mean, he had to have done something right because it's been covered up for this long. Yeah. Um, but I guess we can get into a little bit more of the numbers here. And like it says, 24.3 cents of every dollar was spent on charitable activities. And <laughs> so nearly twice as much, 1.1 million on salaries and employee benefits in that span, according to, like I said, the federal tax records. The salaries include more than six figures for an ex- executive who also works personally for Ciara and Russell Wilson, which has nonprofit experts prodding. It, I cannot believe some of these no. numbers. Uh, it's a Form 990 federal tax return. Uh, and it reported $7.5 million in revenue. And seven million in expenses during its first eight years of existence, less than half of the money—two point eight million, or thirty-nine point six cents of every dollar spent—has gone to charitable activities. And this is in, this is uh, that would have been through twenty twenty-one. So they must have kind of turned it around after the fact. I'm not sure. But the remaining four point two million dollars is paid for fundraising, administrative, and management expenses, <laughs> including the salaries of three employees who have received one point nine million dollars combined between three employees within that
1: uh his foundation a little over six hundred thousand dollars each
2: that's yeah a, that's a real bad look for Russell I don't know how he gets out of this one. I, it, I mean the stat the numbers show that this is
1: that's that's a federal form.
2: It's a federal form. He's this not this is not made up no one
0: in twenty twenty was- the year in which Wilson was given the man of the year award his foundation reported eight hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars in revenue 1.2 million in expenses 257,000 on charitable uh, organizations. Okay, very nice. 548,000 on salaries and employee benefits meaning that about twice as much of the money went to executives in the foundation compared to charity and uh, I believe that be, it says only 21 cents of every dollar went so to charity. Know, uh, in wow. the year that he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year award only Almost a fifth of the money was going towards actual charity, and the rest was padding the pockets so of his employees. Just,
2: they just didn't look at this stuff until now.
0: That really has me begging that question. It's, I just do not.
2: I don't understand, understand how, at all yeah. how
0: something like of this magnitude could slip by, and yeah, for Ross, I mean, it's not looking good, man. It is certainly not looking good.
1: Broncos no. country, let's ride. <laughs> it's crazy. That's just, but it's just a bad look. Oh, it's an. It is an awful look.
2: It's a bad and, um, look for the Broncos I mean, he's come under
0: Dude. fire, like, time and time again for having his own guys, right? Having his yeah. own personnel and things, whether they be in the facility. There was talk at times of him having his own uh, parking spot and other things in the Broncos facility. His and his own office, those type of things. And, you know, eventually some teammates came out to support him, but it took suspiciously long for them to do that while the headlines had circulated. This video has surfaced uh, just in the last couple of days, and I think it's worth mentioning from Ari, who is a great uh, follow on Twitter, if you insist. But uh, he says, new Broncos head coach Sean Payton on Russell Wilson having his own personal staff in the team building. And you'll hear the quote right here, but he says, that's foreign to me. As and he didn't know about this operation going on. That's not going to take place here. And so let's listen to uh, what Sean has to say about the beginning of the Russell, Russell Wilson situation. On the
2: 30 coach uh, Russell Wilson had a, a personal
3: coach, Jake <laughs> Hughes,
2: in the building with access who wasn't on the staff.
3: Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that.
2: How, how do
0: you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building, access to players? Yeah,
3: that's foreign to me. That that's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. Coach Leonard.
0: Shut but, that down immediately. Oh, yeah. I'm, good. Good. I mean, yeah. yeah. And he didn't like, you know, like you said, unfamiliar to him. He doesn't know probably the whole arrangement of the situation. Yeah. Just got the job, just getting in there. But in in that interview process, you have to imagine that he's asking questions because he's in a situation as a head coach that not many head coaches are in where you need him maybe more than he needs you. Yeah. He's got an analyst job locked up. He's an experienced guy who's won a lot
2: of big-time games go, in the NFL. He could go basically anywhere he wants. Yeah, any other team that needed a head coach would want him right now. So in a
0: position that he's in, you have to have to infer and you have to think that he's probably asking some of these questions, as in trying to figure out why he wouldn't want this job, right? Yeah. I have to imagine he's asking some of those questions um, and that he may be a little bit more aware of the situation at hand that he gives on, but nonetheless uh, – He's not gonna let that shit slide. Is basically what he's saying there. Yeah. Um, which but I love. fellas, to close out our pod today, some interesting but optimistic news coming out of the Bills camp, and more specifically, the NFLPA medical director, Tom Mayer. He guarantees that Demar Hamlin will quote play professional football again following his cardiac arrest, and that is something for me. I really just can't wrap my head around. Just me, over me a month either. ago. No, that's crazy. Just over a month ago, he went to cardiac arrest after making that tackle against the Bengals. And for something this optimistic to come out about his progress and his future in the NFL, this is the direct quote from the medical director of the NFL Players Association. He said it on SiriusXM. Uh, it's a heart-to-heart program. Not a good
1: I standard. don't know how I feel about that title. It's a heart-to-heart program. Considering
0: the cardiac arrest that we're talking about. That's uh but he obviously had that name in place before this. Um, anyways, he says, quote, I guarantee you that DeMar Hamlin will play professional football again, quote. Are, are you speaking for him?
2: I mean, are you? Yeah.
0: Since when are you his? I mean, last Representation. Is he
2: saying medically he could play again?
0: No, no. He says, I guarantee you that DeMar Hamlin will play professional football again. This is the quote. a different article, but it's a okay. direct quote from that's the Sirius XM quote? piece.
2: Yes, that's just crazy to me. That's crazy. And and
0: yeah. why are you speaking on his behalf like yeah. that?
2: Yeah, that's that's weird.
1: Why can't we just hear it from Homie himself? Yeah, because two weeks ago, I mean, we were dealing with people who think he was dead, and the NFL was trying to cover it up. Yeah, we go from conspiracy theories to this guy's going to be gracing the turf again. Like that
2: is we've been all over. That's this not
1: draft. even a one eighty. That's like that a. He not at know the what. game. It was his twin. <laughs> Him playing into it. You see on Twitter, he posted clone. Like he totally to posted it. He's kind of fucking around. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're playing he into it. I thought it was hilarious. It. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, pretty cool stuff here, though, on the heart topic. Uh, Hamlin launched a campaign in partnership with the American Heart Association to increase CPR awareness and education. Pretty cool. We saw that's, that's the good. amount of that's outreach big. and support that his, uh, I, I'm going to blank, and I forgive me for blanking the actual name, but his foundation for getting toys, underprivileged uh, children, yeah. others in medical systems and stuff like that, millions and millions of dollars yeah. funneled into that after following his injury, which is a great outcome of that. But um, the Hopefully, CPR, yeah. we talked about the Bill's trainer that potentially probably saved his life. And yeah. for him to go back yeah. and, and to have this and, and honor him is, uh, is pretty special. So... That's cool stuff, yeah. That's cool stuff. Um, and I didn't want to start out with it, but you know, I figure we should mention it. Uh, a loss up here at Northern Michigan. I just wanted to close the podcast on this one today. Brian Schuick, uh, we got news today, and it's public information now, so I'm allowed to you know I'm allowed to speak on it. Uh, we lost a, an alumni up here, one of our guys that uh, that played with us this last year. Um, unfortunately, just in the last couple of days. Um, and I just wanted to touch it on the podcast because it's important that that people hear it. And it's important that uh, Shuek was never a guy that you thought would be going through something like that. And we don't have a ton of details. And I don't know if we need a ton of details because that's not what's important. What's important is the fact that the time that we had with him was was awesome and he was a special dude. Um, and it's really tough for people up here. And so it's sorry to take like a 90-degree pivot because I want to keep a ton of positivity on here because – you know things got to go on, and I think that's what Shuek, We got to honor him in the stuff that we do. Like we've kind of we've kind of heard before, um, but it's it's hard, it's hard, and it's terrible to to hear stuff like that. So, just another reminder to check in on your people, even the ones that you don't think need to be checked in on. Um, it always feels good, and checking in on you don't even have to. It don't even mean like you know. Everything that it sounds like. Maybe just being there. Your presence is more than enough for people sometimes. And I, I think it's important that, that people understand that and that you never can really truly appreciate what someone else is going through, their situation, uh, and just to cherish, especially for the athletes that listen to this podcast, to cherish the time with the guys that you have on your team because, let's face it, that's the last time that, uh, for a lot of us that will be around a team like this and the last time will be around a lot of these guys. Uh, and, like, in this situation, potentially the last time ever. So. Yeah. It's powerful stuff, and if you have listened this far, I appreciate it. Uh, our prayers are out to the the Shuick family and everyone else grieving through this time, and um, you know that's really all I can say. I wish I could give you a little bit more profound piece there, but if you've listened this far, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully you can join us in, in trying to help them to to move past this and recover from this, and, and more importantly, to to shine light on this and and to live every day and in honor of Brian. Thank you.